Hey everyone, my name's Blake Robinson. I'm the principal of Hillsong College USA in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd like to welcome you to the Hillsong College podcast. To kick off our first episode, we've got our Hillsong Atlanta lead pastor, Sam Collier, who joined one of our third year leadership classes for a conversation that covers life, leadership, and legacy. Get your notebooks out because this conversation is full of leadership and ministry gold. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and strengthens your leadership. Enjoy the conversation. I see a church with a world-class college that raises, equips, and empowers generations of young, anointed leaders from around the globe. Let's hear a little bit about you. I'd love to hear, um, and I've we've chatted, but just for everyone listening in, in this class, so... Um, been pretty involved in ministry, but before that, what what were you involved in? Before ministry? Yeah. <laughs> I used to think I was going to be the Christian version of Usher. <laughs> I could do the walk, you know what I mean? That's why I thought I you know, was going to be, but yeah. I didn't become him. God had a different plan. <laughs> can, can you give us a taste? I can't give you it. You know, I, <laughs> I haven't sung in a while, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we'll talk uh, music career. Yeah. You know, into drama. And where did the transition happen between, all right, God spoke to me. I want to I do ministry. I never wanted to do ministry. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, Pastor Sam Lopez out in uh, Hillsong, L.A. Yeah, we pre- did college together. Yeah. He preached a message on calling recently. Mm. And just talking about how, you know, when we have gifts, we often align them within the American dream. Right. And within that, you know, we we lose a little bit of the kingdom nature of it. We tend to take our cues from uh, on on what we should do based on what our gifts are, based on what the American dream is outlined. So you you sing, you're a singer, right? You pursue a record deal, you're an artist. You Mm -hmm. act, you go to Broadway. I mean, those, like, just kind of the American dream type stuff. And for me... That's, I mean, that's what I thought I was supposed to do because I was playing six instruments and I started traveling all around the world and working with, I mean, I really went hard in the paint. It was Universal, Sony, Disney, Hollywood Records, Atlantic, Motown. I had been to all of these different labels and I had gotten to the top and I, I would describe it this way. It's where my effort got me. Mm. You know, I was working extremely hard because I'm like, I got to put in the work to do this. Yeah. And I always say you can't out strategize grace mm. Mm. and grace just shut a door on me every time i mean god i mean it wasn't his plan if it's not his plan there's nothing you can do to make his plan your plan right i mean or your plan his plan you know yep. y- you get my, my point yep and so i had just gotten to god just let me he's okay we'll wait you just <laughs> keep yeah. traveling keep spending money how, how good is god's patience he will wait on us he will wait and sometimes uses you know he uses that waiting to to shape us and you know and that's what he was doing and I just I just had gotten to a point and I'll just be honest with you where I just said you know I hit rock bottom on mm. music mm. and I said there's nothing else I can do I mean I've I've gotten to the top this is what everyone tells you to do mm. get to the right people and it was always just enough not to go over. I mean, it was like, whoa, wait, it's mm. not the music, it's not the talent, it's not the songs. Mm. You just hire, you just, you know, sign somebody that looks exactly like me. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. When that happens like five times in a row, right. 
you start going, and the music industry is they're not gonna lie to you. I mean, they don't like the songs, they don't like the songs. Exactly. They'll but it was place. never that, it was never the material, it was never the talent or the ability. It was just always something. And that's when you know it's like that's that's outside of my control. You know, always a little bit too late. Um, and after five of those appointments over a um, five-year period, working my whole life to kind of get here, I just said, God, I just don't feel like you're with me anymore in this. And and it and it stripped me so much. It stripped me down to the point to where I just threw my hands up. I said, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And so I feel like he was, it was an Abraham Isaac moment. Would you give me your dream wow. in exchange for mine? And that was hard. <laughs> because what I was doing wasn't bad. Yeah. It was still positive music. Yeah. I still took it through the scriptures. It was still aligned. Like I felt like God was proud of me because I was being positive. Yeah. And, you know, I always ask the question, you know, what do you do when, when you're doing something that you feel God would be pleased by and it's not his will? It's right. like... I, I know what to do when I'm not doing, okay, you know, if I'm going to go, well, I'm not going to name examples, but <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to start robbing people, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. Then I know, okay, God, that's not your will. But yes. what happens when I'm doing something that, that you approve, you mm. know, in terms mm. of, within your word. So mm. I hit, you know, I hit rock bottom and I decided whatever you want me to do. Yeah. And this is a funny story and I'm done. Um, I was walking down the street in Pasadena when this happened depressed in the middle of a lawsuit trying to get out of a crazy record deal mm. um and I'm, i knew it was done I, again I, i'm sparing you a lot of the, the the dark details of how god takes us to the bottom yeah um but i think a lot of us can resonate and um i said god whatever you want me to do next um i'll do so the next job i get offered i'm gonna assume it's you <laughs> there you go I'm like you know i'm like if it's mcdonald's if it's Chick-fil-A, which would have been good, right? Oh, yeah. That's God's chicken, we know. <laughs> if it is, you know, going back to school. I mean, whatever it is that you want. Mm. And a friend of mine called me literally, this is a true story, two weeks later and said, would you come and be a youth choir director? I was like, what? I mean, just random friend that I knew from the music world. He was like, I don't know if you do this. I'm like, I hate choirs. I hate, like, praise team. Like, I just, at the time, I was into R&B music and, yeah. and in a positive way, but I was like, yeah, hey, yeah. He was, and I, but I told God, and God was like, no, you told me. <laughs> I was like, no, not the choir director. <laughs> <laughs> not the youth choir. And so it was at Ebenezer Baptist Church, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. Mm. And I was like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I love Martin Luther King Jr. I love his family. He's been close to them for a while. But I was like, I'm not going to this old church. You know, that, that's what yeah, my mind was. Yeah. I'm not, this is traditional. I mean, they still have the organ. And, I mean, the big organ in the wall. Yeah. Kind of organ. Oh, yeah. I'm like, ugh. They read music. And so, but I said, okay, God, I'll do it. So I flew back from Pasadena here. And I went uh, to the first rehearsal. And there was a, um, there was a uh, one girl in the choir. One. One girl in the choir. She was 12. And it was her and her mother. Her mother sat in the back. This is a true story. It's this crazy story. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, if I wait, more people will show up. Mm. And nobody ever came. And so God's like, I want you to teach. This is what I, in my relationship, I felt like he said, teach the one like it's the many. Mm. Mm. So I'm like. Be faithful with the one. Right, be faithful. I got my choir. I'm like, stand up. Jeez. We're doing our scales. I'm like, here's your note. I'll sing the other note. Like, we were just. This went on for four weeks, me and this one girl. 
And so over these four over this four week period, we became really close. And so finally, the mother gets upset, and this is my like kind of, you know, journey to ministry. The mother gets upset, and she's like, "I'm talking to the pastor. This is ridiculous." So she went to the pastor that next Sunday. And said, "You need to make an announcement over the pulpit that people need to join. They need to send their kids to this choir." Oh, come on! The next week, thirty people were in the choir, and I'm teaching these thirty, and. Me and the young lady and her mother, you know, we're walking, you know, we had, because now we've been together four weeks, we had this special relationship, we're yeah. forming. The youth pastor comes to me, who I didn't even know they had a youth pastor. <laughs> he shows up, I'm like, he's like, hey, I'm the youth I'm like, what, where were you, where have you been? And he's like, you know who you're talking to? I'm like, no. He said, that's Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, who I had been teaching for four weeks. Right. And that was the beginning of my ministry. They kind of, they introduced me to a lot of different places, endorsed me. And that's, that the King family has been a large part of me being able to navigate the ministry space. First person to ever believe in me and tell me that God could use me. I mean, it was just, just this, but on the backside of me going, okay, God, you know, whatever you want to do. Mm. That's how I got to ministry. <laughs> that's an awesome story. Thanks. And was that uh, Too long. Bernice? It was her cousin, oh. Angela. And then I met Bernice. Uh, his daughter later. Gotcha. So Angela's mother is Dr. King's sister. Mm. You kind of have more of a Joseph journey. Yeah. A dream rose to the top, and then, you know, in different arenas, in your experience, kind of all came tumbling down. Yeah. Same with Joseph. And then through that moment, repivoted different opportunities, and then reconciliation back to more of, you know, I don't, you know, I look at it as I don't think it was necessarily God orchestrating the the pull down. Sure. I think I think that comes in our world. Yeah. I think he's like, but I'm going to redeem all that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I think you have ambition and God's like, it's all good where the motives of that ambition are. He goes, I'm going to guide it and direct it. And he said, I can turn any ambition into godly ambition. Sure. And I think he loved your ambition. Yeah. And just like Paul, formerly Saul, he goes, I love his ambition. It's just guided in the wrong places. I, man, I just, I don't know. I just, the reroute. I see God all over it, you know. And, and from, from there, then obviously getting more involved in ministry in the Atlanta area. Um, This is managing leaders. I'd love to talk through what were some really successful things that you saw implemented that you think are going to take, the church forward in the experiences that you had pastoring in Atlanta yeah. and obviously what you're going to implement now, uh, you and Tony being the lead pastor of Hillsong Atlanta, yeah. just kind of take us through a, a learning lesson of anything you think or reflect back on or what you want to integrate with where the church is heading and how we can help take wow. it forward. Big question. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, uh, you know, after Ebenezer, I went to New Birth, which was a 25,000-member African-American church. Then after New Birth, I went to North Point. Well, Green Pastures and then North Point, which is Andy Stanley, 40,000-member, predominantly white organization. Mm -hmm. And then each one played, you know, a significant role in terms of primarily from the platform. At New Birth, I had about 130 leaders from middle school, high school, college, kind of young adult underneath me that I was kind of guiding. Volunteers, leaders, however you want to kind of put it. Yep. Um, but youth, youth choirs, again, 
environment, youth strategy, and then started the young adult ministry, and then ended up at North Point as more of a, uh, a communicator, which in certain worlds would be more of like a teaching pastor in certain right. um, ways. It's a lot of different environments. Yep. So in a high school environment, you got about 1,500 kids. You're like, oh, you're a teacher. You know, you're going back and forth yeah. in a college environment, 3,000. You know, it's just, and you, we just kind of jump. Same thing with my wife. Jump between those three, you know, the, all of those different ministries. And then would teach sometimes on a, a Sunday morning. Mm. Um, but out of all of that, and way before that, I must mention, or in the middle of kind of that started a nonprofit in the inner city, where we reached about 80,000 kids in these, poor, in these poor areas, helping them change their life by changing their mind. And I, I think the similarity between all of these different worlds, you know, one of the biggest lessons, and then I'll talk about one of the biggest lessons and then where I think maybe the church is going in terms of what we've been able to see, um, just nationally and internationally, the trajectory of, of the Big C Church. One of the biggest lessons that I found is as a leader, if you don't believe in what you're doing, mm. nobody else will. Very good. There, ha You know, a, a good friend of mine, I think, We've heard a lot of this before, but I want to kind of punctuate it, kind of going back to the basics, right? People want to see you catch on fire, right? And they want to watch you burn. Mm. You know, you want to catch on fire, and they want to watch you burn. And if and if you aren't burning for what is for what you believe in, then nobody else is going to break their back trying to help you yeah. do it. Especially when we talk about you know volunteer culture, and it's interesting because. Um, Coming from the musical theater world, mm -hmm. before I got into ministry, people were paid, you know, to do stuff. You know, right. it was like you're an actor, you get paid a certain amount. Right. And so I can be harder on you, yeah. or I can be hard on you and have an expectation. Exactly. Because I'm paying you, yeah. you know, and so yeah. show up, you know. Yeah. And so when I came, so I learned a lot of leadership in that world. Um, but when I came over to the church... <laughs> And I start leaving volunteers. It was like, oh, wait, I can't really scream at them. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, because yeah. they can go home. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to lead, you know, as John Maxwell says, from influence rather than position. Great. Great thought. And, and so for me, the question switched from, you know, how do I give them the right kind of instructions and how do I, you know, stay on them from a strict perspective to how do I inspire them? Very good. To go the distance. Yeah. How and and when you start asking that question, you know the answers start looking a lot different. Your approach start looks, you know, you start to ask the question. Okay, right, you know, again, right people, right place, right time. Who who are you, and what does God put on the inside of you? What are you passionate about? Yeah. What um what breaks your heart? That kind of stuff. And you mm. go, okay, well, and then now let me tie what we're doing to what breaks your heart already. Yeah. Let me connect to this, and then let me try to give you a, a greater reason. Um, to spend your time serving the church, which um, which the scriptures help. Hundred <laughs> percent. So that, I mean, I would say that uh, you know, above above all, it's like you got to believe wholeheartedly in what you're trying to do. Yeah. And from that place, inspire people mm -hmm. uh, to come on the journey. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about the gospel and Christianity is that it's not difficult to inspire people with the gospel. It's great. the gospel. Yeah. So you don't have to manufacture it. You can just read the scripture. Yeah. So, that, so that, maybe that's another key. Read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, because I've I've had seasons where I've tried to lead without reading, you know? Mm. Um, oh, and well, it just doesn't. Well, it. <laughs> I've tried leading without, without reading. reading. Ooh. It doesn't go well. Yeah, it doesn't go well. Uh, you're empty. 
people are kind of like, what are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? They, it's like, and then, and most importantly, um, I, God is always with us, but, you know, I, I believe, and maybe, you know, we sense this when we're kind of flowing in the spiritual gifts. It's like, sometimes the spirit isn't with you in certain things. Mm. It's always with you in terms of his omnipresence and all mm. these other things. Mm. But in terms of certain acts, like certain assignments, you can feel when God's like, I, I don't want you to do that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to back that yes. particular yes. move. And so usually when, when, you're, when you're not reading while you're trying to lead, uh -huh. um, usually you feel this like, wait, I'm, I don't feel the grace mm. of God on mm. this decision mm. or on. And people can feel that. Yep. And so anyway, I'll stop there. And then I, we, we can talk more about the global church in a second. But. Yeah. It's kind of getting out of the slipstream, right? Yeah. You feel more friction. Mm -hmm. You got to lead when you read. Right. Lead when you read. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You got to read while you lead. Yeah. I, I, the other thing I would say about, I think, the big global sea church that I think that's been on my mind a lot, and it is um, being written, and I, and I hope that it will be written into the DNA of Hillsong Atlanta, mm. um, is this idea that America specifically is becoming post-Christian. Mm. London is already post-Christian. Now that now they're saying that London is becoming pre-Christian um, in terms of, you know, your post a post-Christian society um, would reflect a society that is kind of done with church. Right. It's like been there, done that, right. turned off. Right. Uh, more of a secular nation. Mm -hmm. While it may be, as you know, once before, it was more of a Christian nation. Um, in other words, Jesus, you know, I, it's funny. I was having a conversation with someone um, about a, a flyer that we posted right. um, recently for our, our worship night that we have coming up. Yep. And we were talking about, <laughs> just to be honest, the usage, the usage of Jesus, mm. like the word Jesus, mm. um, the name Jesus. And, and we were just kind of exchanging different ideas. And I was like, hey, you know, because of where the South is, you know, we're in Atlanta, it's, there's been so much church, and we're becoming post-Christian. Actually, the more churchy language is a, is becoming a turnoff right. for people right. because they associate church with bad taste in your mouth. It's a bad taste in your mouth. Mm. While in other regions, it's like, no, you want to give the why a little bit more. And again, I think you should always use Jesus. But we were just talking about mm. how we, how mm. much, and which mm. way we frame. But again, just kind of approaching that post-Christian. Mm. We're becoming that. London is there, which is one of the reasons I think. Hillsong globally has been so effective in secular cities because when you think Australia, when you think London, when you think New York, when you think LA, it's because when I, when I walk into a Hillsong, nobody's wearing a suit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think somebody may have Jordans on, they may just have Adidas on, they may have Reeboks on, like, and they're just talking to you yeah. like you're an everyday person. It's just like, whoa, is this, is this church? Or, or like, what is? Yeah. And so it's one of the reasons that. One of the other reasons why I think, you know, as we now approach kind of the Bible Belt with a model of church like Hillsong, I think it's the right time mm. because we're becoming post-Christian. Yeah. And so um, so I think for us, as we think about becoming post-Christian, you make the assumption in, in, in a not, in, I don't want to say this, in a churched environment that people are familiar with the Bible. That's the assumption you yeah. make. Yeah. While in the South, that is very true. People have been exposed. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But when you become post-Christian, there's a, there's a transition that happens and a switch that happens. This is where I believe we are in this generation, mm. where 
people get turned off from church. They, they kind of want to be a little bit over here. And then all of a sudden you look up and more people start leaving church. And now you have generations that are born that have no idea what church is. Yeah. And so now when you're arranging how to do church, you can't assume that everybody's an insider. Right. So then the question becomes, how do you talk to an outsider? Mm. And so that's kind of where we are. Apologetics is becoming something that's really that's going to be big for us. Yeah. Just the idea of removing barriers from people as it pertains to the mm. gospel. People, mm. people come in, you know, because of the Internet and because they're not familiar with the Bible, there's not an, an inherent trust yeah. that the scripture is, you know, God breathed and da, 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 you know inspired. It's like okay, it's a book, and I think there's flaws. And I mean, depending on where you are on the internet and yeah. what you're seeing, yeah, yeah. you know, you can question everything the pastor says in the moment on Twitter, on Instagram, on Google. Yeah. And so it's okay. How do I now, you know, give you a reason or talk to you in a way um, that helps to maybe not ease your doubts, but give explanation to them. Right. You know. So yeah. I want to pivot a little bit off of that, but it also correlates. So obviously there's leadership that's needing to be involved and take place because leadership is what's going to lead this. Right. So talk <laughs> us through like some leadership lessons that you've learned maybe from great leaders that you've worked alongside or worked for and that you've implemented in your life and what you know, our students here in third year could implement into their leadership lives, stepping into the seasons that they're going to go into. Yeah, this is a good one. I, I love um, one, one of the things, one of the first principles that popped in my head is um, you lead from your strengths. You connect through your weakness, sis. Oh, flush that out a little. Um, I love that. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, when we talk about Hillsong, One House, Many Rooms, mm. And I think we hear that, but if you're not like a lead pastor per se or on staff, you kind of like, what does that mean? And mm. even if you're not the lead, you kind of don't mm. really know what, like, how does that interface with everything? And, you know, I think for us, um, the one house, many rooms concept means that your room will be specific to what, within the Hillsong box, right? If we just take a box, mm. within the hills, within the things that are non-negotiables, within that, you know, there's a canvas, but you're free to paint however the Lord leads you in that specific region mm. for that time. In other words, Pastor Terry and, and what um, is on his heart at a high level within the box is not necessarily going to be what's on my heart yeah. or what, what's on Pastor Gary's heart yeah. or a Pastor Phil Dooley. And for the demographics that you're in. And for the demographics that, that you're in. And so with that, another thing that's true about the One House, Many Rooms concept, when we talk about leading from our strengths, is that <laughs> a, a, a mentor of mine always told me, you got to fight with the tools you got. Mm. You know, you can't fight with anyone else's tools. Mm. You got to fight with your tools. You got to lead from your strength. So there may be some people that's like, hey, you know what? I'm a, we talk about the five-fold ministry, right? Mm. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, what, you know. Mm. Um, if you're more of an evangelist, if that's your superpower, yeah. you know, and you're yeah. in that. Now, again, it doesn't mean that you um, forfeit the responsibility of pastoring, mm. but it does mean that your lead gift is going to be evangelism. So how do you, how can you use that to grow your church? Yeah. Or to, it, like, so your your strategies are going to look a little bit different. 
for somebody that's more of an evangelist, that means that you may have to staff a leader. You know what I mean? Somebody that has that leadership yeah. kind of bend. Or yeah. staff a pastor, somebody that just wants to sit with people all day. You know, somebody yeah. that's more of a pastor that may not necessarily be a great communicator mm. um, or an evangelist or, you know, or a teacher, you may have to staff different people that are teachers, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. If, you're more, if you're more apostolic, which uh, Pastor Brian is super apostolic. It's, I mean, it's unreal. It is what it is. He's and so nature. if you look at even his leadership style, he raises up all types of things that um, that he may not naturally lean towards. Okay, you come and do this, you come and do this, you come and do this, you yeah. come and do this. Yeah. But it gives him the freedom to fight with his tool. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and so what you get from an apostolic leader mm. is a global church, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, how does he do this? <laughs> right, but it's, but that's his superpower. Yes. And he has to lead from that place. And I would say this, you know, I think for me, it's, you know, figuring out what my superpower is. Mm. And, and for everyone listening, it's like, what's your superpower? Great. Because you could spend time, and I, another leader friend of mine, mentor friend of mine told me, you know, you could spend time trying to become what you aren't and be okay at it after spending thousands and thousands and thousands of hours on it and only mm. be okay at it. Mm. Or you could spend time perfecting what you're amazing at and, and kill it. Yes. And he's like, and you would do better spending time on focusing on what your superpower is and developing that to the highest degree yes. and staffing or delegating your weaknesses. Mm. To those that have, um, you know, um, the gifts that you don't have. Because here's it. We, none of us are going to have everything. Yeah. It just is what it is. I'm yeah. not going to call anybody out and start going down the line. We're, but we're the body. You we're know? the body. I'm good being a pinky finger. Yes. Like, I'm all good with it. And we have to be okay with that. <laughs> I think you might be more of a thumb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At least a hand. At least a hand. I think you might be here, okay? <laughs> I'll take the thumb. I'll take just the thumb. Just a thumb. It's like... Um, so yeah, man. I, I, my encouragement is for every, you know, I, I would, be, I would get in the business of figuring out what your superpower is. Mm. Everybody has one. Because mm. I know somebody's going, I don't have, I don't have. You have one. It might be administration. It might be pastoral. It might be evangelistic. It might be apostolic. It might be prophetic. It might be, you know, leadership. Right. We can go down the list. Hospitality. You just gotta charisma, you but you intelligence. You gotta figure out what your superpower is, and then what you want to do is start creating an or, your whatever you're doing, whether it's leading an organization or people or a department. You want to lead from that place, mm. um, as you know. You want it to be your first thing because people are gonna be attracted to that. But then, and we talk about connecting through your weakness. Mm. You can't just be strong all day, um, and and I see. You know, and I made the mistake of that early on, and I see a lot of leaders make the mistake of that, because you think, well, if I show them my weakness, they're not going to follow me anymore. Right. But what a leader taught me, especially as we move into a post-Christian culture, mm. um, is that it's not that people won't follow you when you show them your weakness. You, I mean, you one, you got to have a strength, right? You cannot have a strength. Exactly. Because everybody's going to be like, wait, what are you doing? Why yeah. are you in this role? Yeah. Um, but after you kind of you know, master that strength or kind of lead from that, you got to let people know you're human because it will give them permission to also be human. And something in that connects them to you yeah. like your strengths don't. Yeah. Because when you're leading in your superpower, if people don't have that superpower, they're going, I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. 
But if they can see, well, wait a minute, he has weakness. Oh my gosh, he's he's just like me. She's just she's just like me. Mm. I, I trust them. Yeah. There's a level of trust that's there because it's yeah. like, well, oh, you you also are just like me. Mm. So it brings me down from this pedestal. Right. And and, and now we're equal. Mm. And when we're equal, I want to follow you. So you said a couple of really valuable things that I want to take into some directions. Yeah. First off, what are some practicalities of finding out what your superpower is? Ooh. Would probably be the first direction I want to go, and then I'll I'll pivot it another direction after that. Yeah. Um, when when me and Tony first got together, wife. Oh, please share this. Okay. I'm so excited. <laughs> <for this. laughs> Yeah, is it gonna go? I don't think it's gonna go where you think it's gonna go, but it, I can take it a lot of places because uh, you know your spouse will tell you what you're horrible at. Yes, um, so but you're, you're telling every student they just need to get married and then they'll find their they'll weaknesses find. in order to find their superpower. Your spouse at some at one, at some point they'll say, "I think it's my job mm. to let them know what they're." With. I, call, I call her the I call her the second Holy Spirit. Right? And it's from love. Like at some point you go, okay, they, yes. for, for them that's love. <laughs> that's what we. That's the story we tell. We that's tell the greater ourselves. story that's we tell great. our stuff. <laughs> it's like no, no, no. I have to do this. I always tell Tony. She's like, why are you talking about? Because if I don't, who will? You know. And she's, <laughs> and she's like, all right. Thanks. I want to make and vice you versa. the person you're created to be. That's the line I get. I'm like, thank you so much, thank babe. <laughs> I'm so thankful that you're in my life. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, so, so when me and Tony first met, um, and we got together, we were, you know, she was in a place where she was coming out of some crazy situations and, and she was really like, I want to figure out like what I'm like, what I want to do, mm. you know? And if you, if you meet her and you've met, if you've seen her, if you follow on Instagram, I mean, she's phenom, you mm. know what I mean? Gifts out of the wall, mm. star, you know, in my opinion, you know, I'm obviously biased. Um, but just powerhouse. But when we first got together, she was like trying to figure out, I mean, she was so good at everything. Right. It was like, well, what am I supposed to be? What do I like? How do I da 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 da? And then what do I feel, you know? And so we went down a journey, and I'm not going to spare you details, but I used to do this a lot with with leaders I would, that were trying to figure out what their superpower was and mm -hmm. who am I. And, you know, I'd get the whiteboard out, and I'm like, all right, let's list some things and let's call some, let's make some phone calls, which we can go to in a second. Yes. Let's make some phone calls. Let's talk to some people. And yes. I, which, let me say, pause. One of the greatest ways to figure out what you're great at is to ask people, other people. Yes. Very good. Um, I love that. But you got to be brave enough to do it. And you have to trust the person you're asking. You have to trust the person you're asking. Don't, you have don't to. ask a hater. No. They'll tell you exactly what you don't need right? to hear. <laughs> it's like, you suck at everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Good, right? good day now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Glad. Yeah. Let's just, let, let's, let's park out for there for let's park there for a second then I go right back to Tony I, I will say you know to that that's that's a big point I think we need to um to use because when we talk about the millennial generation which I'm in and then Gen Z which is right behind me mm -hmm. um for us and I don't know how this happened and maybe it's because we're in a critical society now because of social media but it's very difficult for us to let people in to talk to us about things that we are not necessarily great at it's hard yes. you know we for many of us we receive criticism as from people that love us yeah as hatred right it's like you hate you like oh yeah hate you know what i mean it's yeah, like yeah. or it hits us in a deeper place than what it probably should mm. that's what it's really about mm -hmm. it hits us in an identity place yes as opposed to a helpful place yes 
and 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 I think that there's something to that, right? Because I do think the generation before us uh, probably uh, misused it to the point where they tore us down. They took our trust for granted, right? And it was like, okay, everybody, come in, come in, come in. And it was like, wait a minute, I think I'm being controlled. I think I'm being, you know, all these other things, right? But because of that, the shadow side of what we've become is we don't let anybody in. And I would say this, it's a very dangerous place to be in. Mm. If you don't have at least one to two people in your life. Yes, at least. That are good people. Let's, yes. let's qualify yes. them. Yes. yes, You know, they have to be good at something. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, you yeah. know, okay, what, okay, some character about that. Yes. Um, if you don't have one to two people in your life that you go, hey, just, just rip into me. Mm. Just tell me what I suck at. Mm. Just tell me what I need mm. to improve on. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, those people will never just rip into you. Yeah. Right? That's how you know they're great. Yes. They'll be like, hey, you know what? I, you know, I love you. Yeah. And here's just a couple of things that you should just consider. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And if you can have one or two people like that in your life, mm. they will really help you figure it out. Okay, back to Tony. So if, if you ask a person, like, hey, point out some of my weaknesses, and they jump on you like a hyena that hasn't eaten in about a week – you know that was probably the wrong person to right. ask. Right. If you ever seen because they're getting more out of it than you are. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, all right, okay. Thank you for that exhaustive list right. of everything. It's like you know, I'm glad you asked. I actually was thinking about you. There's <laughs> uh, a couple of things here. All right. So last week, <laughs> is that the beginning of the list or the end? Uh, uh, that's. This I mean, is we don't have enough time for everything. <laughs> we got this is a 30 minute session, right? right? In chapel last week, you <laughs> lifted your hands this way and, you know, it came off a little arrogant. And then, <laughs> so yes, 100%. They just jump, yeah, right? Yeah. They have to have some humility. And I will say this you should choose your mentors. Mm. Don't let your mm. mentors choose you. Mm. Great. Because that's a dangerous place. If somebody wants to be, like, it's like, all right, all right. <laughs> You're a bit eager beaver. Right. It's like, come on. Yeah. Like, you need me more yes. than I need you. Yes. Yeah. You're getting something else out of this as opposed to just helping me. Mm. Like something in this is making you feel more important. Mm. So you want to make sure I, I what in my opinion, right? I, I won't paint every everything with a massive brush, but I will say, in my opinion, I think you should choose your mentors, uh, not them, not them choose you. Um, and nine times out of ten, the people that you want probably aren't gonna have time. So you're gonna have to do a lot yeah. to get them. Don't yeah. give up. That doesn't mean give up. Yeah. That means fight yeah. really hard. Yeah. And Unt, you know, to, to do anything. I, I, can I tell a story about a mentor? Yeah, yeah. Then I'll go back to Tony. Great. <laughs> um, I had a mentor friend of mine who, who he's been my mentor now. He's, a, he's now a UN ambassador. But he was not that when I met him. He was in the music industry and some other things. But, um, I, I mean, he, I won't even, I won't go down the list. But I really wanted him to be my mentor. And um, he was running like a music office at one time and I said, man, come on, please, please, please. He was like, man, I don't have time. Mm. I just don't have time. He was like, but you can come and sit in my office right. and while I'm in meetings, mm. and but I don't, I can't promise you I'm gonna say anything to you. Yeah. That's what he yeah. says. He's like, yeah. Um, and I'm probably gonna be late and I'm gonna be running around. And um, I was like, all right, all right, all right, you know. And so I came and sat in his office. Mm. And sometimes he would have me in the lobby for two hours. Now he wouldn't do that on like yeah. it, he yeah. warned me ahead of time. Yeah, I don't have late. time to do yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but you can come and like be around us. And I would just sit 
and I never got discouraged because mm. I was happy to beat it, right? Mm. And I just sit. And every now and then he forget I was out there. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And he would come out of his office. Hey, Sam, you still? I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, you want to go? I'm like, yeah, we'll go. You know, I'll go. Yes. And we ended up going to lunch, and he still wouldn't talk to me at lunch. He'd be on the phone doing things. And every now and then, every like five minutes or so, or every, like he'd get a five-minute yeah, window. Snippets here and there. Snippets. I'd be like, hey, what you think about that? He's like, oh, well, you da 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 Yeah. Like, you catch him in the headspace. Two minutes of gold. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And he's back on the bus. Yeah, yeah. This went on for two years. Yeah. After two years, he started calling me. And then he started, like, next thing you know, he looked like he was my mentor. I mean, it was just, just over time. And I asked him one day, because now it's been almost 10 years, 10, 11 years. Phenomenal guy. I asked him one day, I'm like, how did this, you know, how did you, he was like, man, I don't know. He was like, I, I just figured if, if you um, cared that much about it. And if you were that relentless, mm. then it was worth my time. 100%. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll say again, you know, the mentors you want probably aren't going to have time. Mm. But the question is, is what are you willing to do yeah. to be mentored by them? And I'll guarantee you this, doesn't matter how much you have to go through. Now, obviously, if it's abuse, I'm not talking about that. Yes. But no matter how much you have to do, you know, to work for the time of people that don't have time, um, it will always be worth it in the end. Mm. It'll always be gold, and yep. it's always better yep. than just settling for somebody that has time. Yes. Um, yes. Or just want, you know, okay. Back to Tony, or did you have something? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so, and this is very practical. Back to your original question. So, me and Tony did the whole whiteboard thing. We were figuring it out. She was calling people. And then at the end of the session of, you know, just married, we were kind of exchanging. Because I'm like, you know, as a husband, you're like, oh, finally, I get to, like, help or something. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, and what about? And you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? When you're married, you're just yes. like, okay, this is my time to shine. You know? Yes. And um, at the end of the session, you're like, she's, like, got nothing out of it. Nothing out of it. You know what I'm saying? And so she, I'm like, okay, well, thanks. She's like, it's not you. It's me. Like, I'm still trying to, like. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I think, I think maybe you just need to go and try stuff. And she was like, you know, I think you're right. You know? So good. And, um. So she did. And she tried stuff for two years. And after those two years, she was like, I hate this. Yeah. I do not like that. Yeah. I was not good at this. Mm. I excelled at this. I'm going to go in this direction. So I would tell you know, anybody, you know, how do you figure out what your superpower is? You got to try stuff. Mm. That's why Hillsong College is so amazing. Yes. Because, and I'm not, this is not a set, you know, plug, but it is, really, yeah. because yeah. you need, and, and I wish, you know, even when I was in those seasons, I wish some, I had some people. And I did have maybe a few that helped me maximize the season I was in. Mm. Because if you don't have that, sometimes you're, like, just floating. But the season that you're in right now in terms of, like, a Hillsong College or even uh, an, an apprenticeship, an internship, whatever you call it, mm. it's so valuable because you get to try stuff. Yeah. And if you don't try stuff, yes. you'll never figure out what's in you. Yes. You'll never figure out what's good, so maximize it. Mm. When, when somebody gives you an opportunity, take it. Yes. It's like, hey, come do a sermon. I know you might be afraid, but yeah. go do it because- yeah. give it a go. You could be amazing. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know what I'm saying? You're yes. like, man, I'm like, wow, I can preach. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. You could, you could discover you know, what the gold that God has put on the inside of you just by trying something random. That's the other, other reason why I would say do stuff for free. Yes. Volunteer. Because those are other ways that you figure out, yeah. man, I, you know what? I'm really good at this, and I think I might have found – because here's the deal. Once you find your superpower, it's over. Yes. You find it, it's over. And, and you start going in that direction. You sell out to it. 
And I always say this, you know, the Bible talks about your gifts making room. That's what we're talking about. Great. You find that gift, that superpower, and you look up, and all of a sudden, all this room is being made. Favor follows you. I mean, it's just a thing. Mm. Elevation is imminent. Yes. You know? So. So good. <laughs> I'm Bro. literally just processing all of that, which it's so true. Like, just try stuff. But my, my question was, my thought went, how do you know how long to try something? Oh, yeah. And where are you using you know, your quote unquote weakness as a cop out for laziness. Ooh. Like, where do you, oh, that's not my strength. So admin's not my strength. So I can't do my emails. You're like, <laughs> w- w- hold on. All right. right. Where, like, where's the balance? You, well, that's a great question. Um, phenomenal. Qu- you, you're killing it. This is a phenomenal <laughs> question. I love you, by the way. I hope people know I, this by I now. More. Like, I do, like, I just think you're a great guy. Smart. All right, let's keep going. So... <laughs> Um, it's a phenomenal question and it's attention, right? Mm. It's huge. I don't think you can discover if you're good or bad at something until you give it everything you have. Great thought. You, you, there's no way you can figure it out because there's a, there's a thin line, right? Between again, laziness and cop out and hard work. Like you, you have to work hard at something in order to figure it out. I would say this, and only you know if you're working hard at something. Nobody else knows. Mm-mm. Only you know. And I would say do yourself a favor and, and be real with yourself. Mm. Because, and, and, and know this, and people never forget this. If you haven't worked hard at it, you don't know. You don't know. So you can go around lying to people <laughs> yeah. and lying to yourself and saying, I'm not good or I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But in the back of your mind, if you have not given it your all, and if we go a little bit deeper, a lot of times we don't give it our all because we're afraid of succeeding. Mm. Mm. It's like, wait, what if I'm actually good at this? <laughs> because you might have had that dream or that perception of yes. this is actually what I'm intended to yes. do or meant to do. Yes, and I got to let it go now uh. because God is, and it's hard. Mm. And, and uh, for, us, for many of us, it's really deep mm. and it's emotional. And a lot of us, let's be honest, some of us already know what we're great at. Mm. We know. We've just been ignoring it. We've been running from it. We're like, I don't want to. Oh, why? So true. Why? So why? True. It's like the person that's gifted at admin. Like, it's their slipstream. And they know it. Right. They don't want to tell anybody about it because everyone's looking for that administratively gifted person. And you drool and when like, you, oh, uh, yeah, like, I'm pretty much a superhero at spreadsheets. And you're like. I need you on the team, please. <laughs> like, you don't share that. But then you're right, like, like, but my dream was actually, you know. I want to sing. You know? And it's like, but have you heard yourself sing? Like, yes, I'm amazing. Has anyone else heard you sing and given you feedback? And it's right. like, uh, uh, no. Like, and and, and, and let's, let's go there for a second. Because now we're on the other side of, to your question, like, what is the, when do we stop? Yeah. Right? When, yeah. like, the sto- we all know the story. And I'm going to use some, I'm going to use an example because outside of us so that we can get the principle to your mm. point because it's harder sometimes when we talk about ourselves we've all been watching American Idol and we all have had that moment where we went why did no one tell you <laughs> right like and, and they start to, they're horrible and they're like how did you and they're like my mama told you like, she and said I like, was amazing she said I was amazing and you start hearing these stories you were like and then they're mad and you're yeah. like oh sweetie yeah. sweetie 
Nobody told you. And you. Many of us are the same, mm. especially in the church with things that we just want to happen, right? It's like, and we just won't believe anybody because we've put it in our mind. They're haters, they're mm. this, mm. they're that. But that's why you have to have people that you really know and love. And, and, and can I go a little bit deeper? Take a second. How do you know who loves you? Tell us. In my opinion, in my and in my I, and in my experience, I try, and I, I, I'll be honest, I test it. I test people. I just tell. I'll just tell you. Um, and my, you know, I guess staff, you know, now they'll tell you like, okay, yeah, he was, because <laughs> I'm just kind of like. I want to know where your heart is. I know, I know that you love me if you understand me. Mm. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. If And that's why when, when somebody's like, hey, I really enjoy it. Somebody gives me a compliment or they say, hey, I really da-da-da-da. My, my next question is always, okay, hey, tell me more about that. Right. Like, where'd that come from? Right. Like, what about that did you enjoy? What about, or they're looking at something, or I'm doing something, I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And if they can say it back to me, in a way, even a mentor, mm. right? When they're speaking life into me, if words that they're saying um, are resonating, mm. not necessarily about what they're criticizing, but other things in my life. Like, mm. hey, Sam, you're like a, I noticed you're like a uh, analytical guy. Mm. And, you know, you really uh, have, wear your heart on your sleeve. And I've noticed that you've da-da-da-da. And I'm like, yeah, that is, that is who I am. I mean, yes, that is da 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 Then when they come with the criticism, mm. I'm like, I trust it. Yeah. Because I know you got me. Yes. But if you start saying things to me like, you know, you don't really wake up on time or you don't, you know, you don't really care. Yeah. It's like, well, no, that's I do care. It's just that I that, but if you're like, no, you know what, I know you do care, but it but it seems like you don't care because of this. Right. It's like, oh, you get me. Right. You get me. I want you to, you know, to speak into my life. So yeah. we gotta believe the people around us that tell us. And then I'll just say this if we're just stubborn, because many of us are. I go back to my music industry days. Um I, God, he, just, he didn't have it for me, you know. It wasn't for me. We have to be. We have to pay attention to the, to the closed doors. Great. I always say this: follow the favor. Great. There's no favor there. Stop forcing it. Exactly. You know, but, but exhaust. Yes. You know, do everything you can. Work hard. Mm. And if you just keep trying, and you just, you know, out of a one out of ten, you're always a three. Mm. You know, be real. Yeah. So. So good. So you have recently transitioned right. from <laughs> a previous position to, to where lead we are pastors now. at Hillsong Atlanta. Yeah. What were some things that went through Sam's mind? Okay, I'm going through this and stepping into a new. What, what, went, what went through your mind? Wow. You know, I would venture to say um, there's a lot of different angles here, but depending on what world you're stepping into, if we talk organizationally mm. or even community um, or a new community, find people um, that love you and find people that you can love, you know? Great, great. Um, I think for us, when we came into, as we've been coming into this world, you know, and, you know, and in me and Tony's journey, we've been in a lot of worlds. I mean, I, you know, from Ebenezer to New Birth to this, to North Point, to like, we have been in and out of church and, da, 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 and finally feel like we found our home, you know. Um, in Hillsong, we've been searching a long time for it. I'm not going to cry about it. Um, but, you know, it's been a, it's been a dream for us, um, even in the midst of all that has happened, right? It's been a dream for us because I don't think people understood how long we were looking for. Yeah. And so, but with, even within that, 
whenever we come into a new environment and into a new space, my first question is always find somebody you connect with. Right. Always first. Um, and become a student and ask a lot of questions right. to find out how to be. You know, it's like for me, it's, 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 it, it is as if I was moving from America to South America. Right. You know, I always think about it like that, going into a new culture, because that's ultimately what you're doing. Right. Yeah. I think f for me, you know, whenever you, you never walk into a new culture and just start doing stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No. You're never like, OK, yeah, give me that. Give me that. Yeah. 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 Come on. Yeah. Up. Like, it's like, no, yeah. no, no. You don't know what anybody is doing. You don't know the laws of the laws of the land, like how everything is laid out. It's like you, you got to take some time and figure it out. Otherwise, you're going to say some things that offend people that don't offend people where you were. Mm. You're gonna assume some things that shouldn't be assumed. Yeah. You're gonna be too excited when you when you should be a little more calm. Yeah. You're gonna be too calm when you should be more excited. You know. Right. You gotta get some. I am so big on mentorship. It has it has saved my life, and made me a better leader. And I mean, I I'll say a story. We were walking with um, some individuals, some young leaders, some young adults, helping them figure out how to go from zero to sixty in their life. And, and they were transitioning to different things. And we had all these strategies and self-help things and even scripture. But we always kept, we kept hitting the brick wall. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. I'm like, we got everything there. And then finally, the missing piece that we found is a mentor. They right. each had to get a mentor right. in where, that had been where they were trying to go mm. or had done what they were trying to do. Right. And so mentorship, I believe, is just so important. Find some people first that you can trust, Great. that you love, that will love you, and let them guide you along and ask a lot of questions and learn. Come mm. in humble, mm. right? We talk about the idea of race relations in America right now, right, and around our world. The number one step I always say in trying to bridge the gap between our tensions is are we students of one another? Right. So good. Are we students of one another? Because you know the difference between somebody that wants to be a student and somebody that wants to be a teacher. Mm. I think we both have to be students, Great. both white, black, Asian, Hispanic. We sit down and go, help me understand. Mm. Teach me. Let me know your perspective. Doesn't matter where your perspective is coming from, but help me. And if we both can do that, mm. that's what kind of I get passionate about. It's what we want to do in Atlanta. Yeah. It's like help each other become students of one another, no matter what our history has been. Yeah. If we can become students of one another and be honest with one another, you know, God will do the rest, so in my opinion. The humility and you know, the so understanding. Good. So find loving, safe community. Yes. Which I think is the church, which is God's gift to humanity. Yes. 100%. Yes. It's the one thing Jesus said he would build and he gave his life for. Mm -hmm. And we have to continue to keep that redeemed. Yes. And that's why he has you in the place that he has you. Wow. Is to lead that, to lead that movement, to lead that forward. And I think you're the right man, and I think Tony's the right woman mm. uh, to do that and is going to be used used by God for those exact things and purposes. Mm. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to be watching you from afar. You'll I'm, be preaching what it's I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm going to be mentored by you from afar. No. <laughs> That's what I always tell and people. vice versa. I, I'm like, hey, be, you could be mentored by a bunch of people. Like, I'm still mentored by Pastor Brian, but from afar. Yes. I don't meet with him every week. I don't talk to him on the phone. But I, I can watch this life from afar. That's one of the beautiful things so about much. technology. Yes. You know, one of the blessings of technology is you can be mentored from afar. Mm -hmm. And uh, transitioning into the new, I'm excited for your new transition into what is going to be a beautiful church. 
It's going to be a beautiful expression of our house. It's going to be a beautiful room, a welcoming room, a room that is going to impact hundreds of thousands of people Mm. of all races, of all denominations. They're going to come together, unified how the church was created to be and is going to be, which I'm excited about. So we'll finish with this, and uh, I want to say thanks for your time, which Thank has been you. amazing. I've loved this. You, Have you guys loved this? I've, I've had a blast. I loved it. I've had a blast. The fam. Finishing up, I, I want to speak into what is the vision of our house for this year, yeah. which is rescue, mm. restore, rebuild. Yeah. And you highlighted a little bit of that in chapel, which was brilliant. And I just want to kind of expound on the heart of our senior pastors, Brian and Bobby, and what you see as upcoming in the country that we're in, the nation that we're in, which is the U.S., and how you see rescue, how you see restoring and restoration, how you see rebuilding. What, what are some things that I think we can, you know, come into alignment with Pastor Brian and what he spoke over the year yeah. and what you think can help? In wow. that, in, in our world, in our society. Woohoo! I love it. Um, you know, what I think what I love about the idea of rescue, restoration, you know, rebuilding is that it, you know, he, Pastor Brian described where he got that from. Like, I think he was on a beach somewhere in the cold or the sunset, whatever, yeah. and just, you know, it's like, yeah. It's like a movie scene. Yeah. The heavens opened up. And, you know, down. it's like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, rescue. <laughs> you know, um, I love that as a picture or a mental picture of where he got that from because it is a, prof- a prophetic declaration. It's a prophetic declaration for where we are in our world today in terms of coming out of a global pandemic. Mm. We've lost so much. You know, many of us. Um, for a lot of college students, it's been their parents, right, that have lost much. It's yeah. been their grandparents that maybe even some people lost um, from COVID-19. We, we've got superstars and celebrities and people, leaders that we look up to that have lost their lives. Yeah. That, you know, we try to keep, continue to move on, but it's just, um, you know, I don't know. It was a movie that talked about, you know, death isn't natural, you know. Yeah. It's not natural. It's never been natural. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the intention, right, of, yeah. of the creation. Yeah. You know, we weren't supposed to die, you know beautiful, what I'm saying? Beautiful. But because of sin. And so um, death isn't natural. And I think we've seen a lot of it over this past year and yeah. um, around the world. Yeah. Um, and I, I say that on a very physical level, but I say also on a metaphorical level. And spiritual. Yeah, and a spiritual level. It's yeah. like, oh, like businesses have died mm. and churches have died. People have lost their faith. The idea um, is, you know, restoration, that God will restore. Beautiful. And he would rescue us. And that we would start to build globally in the church, um, physically in our bodies, um, and physically in our world, whether you believe in Jesus or not, Mm. that God would help us rebuild um, from the ground up. Beautiful. Churches are starting over now. Every church I talk to, no matter whether they're a Hillsong church or not, pastors all around the globe are going, it's like starting over again, you know? And I think the prophetic declaration is that with God, mm. we can do it. Mm. And, you know, it, and here's what I want to, like, and this is one of the things that we have to remember even during this time. We have 
been rescued before. We've been restored before. Yeah. We've rebuilt before. Mm. This is not the first time we've had to rebuild something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I do think it's a reminder to all of us, and it's just a moment of hope mm. for all of us. Mm. No matter what our life has been, that God can do it. Yeah. Um, he can heal us. That's he right. can restore us. Mm. He can rebuild us, and it can be better than it was before. So good. And so I think we have to keep that perspective, but it helps when we, re when we remember yes. what he's already done. Yes. You know, the song, he did it before he do it again. I think that was spot on. You know, Lee Burns, who um, is the vice president of our college, he says, strong families, and you don't have to be actual family, strong communities. Strong families build strong churches. Mm. Strong churches build strong nations, and a strong nation builds a strong world. And mm. the church has to be at the center of it. And it's going to be a place of rescue, restoring, and rebuilding. And that looks like rebuilding the church. Yes. And what has been lost and what has been forsaken and what has been, you know, marred, uh, we have a chance to rewrite the story That's and right. to continue God's narrative, um, which... Uh, I love your book, by the way, because it's a picture of the greater story mm. that God intertwined with you in your life. If yeah. no one's gotten that book, I'd highly recommend it. Thank you. And I believe there is a greater story to be written and to be told Ooh. through our lives, through this generation, through the impact that we're going to have, having Jesus at the center, being led by his Holy Spirit to build his local church. So, Sam, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. This was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> of what, you, what was life, Honor. leadership, legacy, and as our senior pastor Brian Houston always says, the best is yet to come. Yes. So thanks so much, my man. Appreciate you. Thanks, bro.